What's up everyone? My name is Kevin Lagore and welcome to another What's Up webcast. We do this every Friday 10 a.m. Pacific right here at the Skywatcher USA YouTube channel. And we basically cover everything that has to do with astronomy or equipment or basically whatever we feel like doing um, as long as it's astronomy related. So uh, for everyone who is watching, uh, thank you very much for joining us on your Friday morning. Uh, for those of you who are new, welcome. Uh, if you like what you see here today or you've been watching us before and you haven't subscribed, go ahead and subscribe to the channel. It does help us out. Um, and you can also sign up to do a notification so it'll let you know uh, that there is a new episode coming up. We've posted all the way out to May or June. We've posted all the episodes up till June and those are available um, or the schedule is available. You'll be able to see all the up and coming episodes. And then of course, all the episodes are live upon the time of their presentation, but they also uh, are recorded right here on YouTube so you can go back and utilize that information or watch those videos later. Uh, real quick, I uh, just wanted to let some of our viewers who've been watching in the past, um, we have upgraded the internet speed quite a bit. I switched over to fiber optic a couple weeks ago. That seems to help with the stream strength. I know people were asking about the quality, so we've been working on that. We also have a, a lot faster computer um, on order that we'll hopefully be doing streams through uh, hopefully very soon. So hopefully that'll help the quality. Um, I know people get kicked off here and there. So we are trying what we can do to make sure everything is as good as possible on our end uh, for the webcast. So hopefully that helps you out. Hopefully the quality uh, really does jump up with the new internet speeds and the new computer coming uh, in the not so so. Well, today we're talking equipment and we all like talking gear. Um, I know every single star party I've ever been to, customers who call up on the phone, whatever, everyone enjoys talking telescopes. So hopefully these uh, hour long events on Friday are kind of where you can get your little, you know, uh, collection of talk with like-minded individuals while you're in the chat or hopefully just enjoy hanging out with us on your Friday morning talking astronomy. So today we're talking gear and in particular we're talking our Quattro Newtonians. Um, these have been available from Skywatcher for a while um, but we thought they needed some love and they actually are quite interesting telescopes especially if you're an astrophotographer and we're going to kind of get into the advantages of why? Because um, a lot of people, when they hear Newtonian, they freak out, collimation, oh my gosh, and then they immediately run to the hills to the refractors, and we never see them again um, with Newtonians. So, um, but we're going to kind of go through and debunk some of that stuff, so maybe you're not as afraid of Newtonians, because um, they are excellent telescopes. They really do a nice job, and we'll talk about the Newtonian design um, today and then talk about our series of Newtonians in particular. So, all right, so Newtonians. Many of us, I'm sure, are familiar with Newtonians, um, either equatorial Newtonians or Dobsonians. Those are Newtonians as well. They're just on a, you know, Lazy Susan style mount. Um, but it is a very popular design. So if you're not really familiar with a Newtonian or you just need a... Uh, catch up on it. Newtonians are composed up of two mirrors. You have the primary mirror, which is parabolic, and you have a secondary, which is a flat elliptical mirror. Now, what does that actually mean? As the secondary mirror is its flat mirror. There's no curve to the figure of the mirror. The primaries of a Newtonian telescope are a parabolic shape, as with most mirrors. Um, most telescope mirrors, you either have a spherical mirror, like what you find in the Maxitovs, um, and then you have parabolic, and then you get to like hyperbolic. Um, and let me just get my face out of the way so we can all see what we're doing here. So here we go. Um, so on a Newtonian, you have a parabolic primary, and that focuses light 
up into the secondary and out to the focuser. And if you're not familiar with a typical secondary, and I'm gonna bring myself up here real quick because today I have props. Um, so this is a typical secondary mirror that we use on our Newtonian telescopes. This one in particular, I think comes off of a 12 inch daub. Um, now this is a, this is an elliptical flat secondary. So you can see right there, it's a flat mirror, polished surface. There's no curvature to these mirrors. It's just made to angle the light beam up to the focuser. And the reason why they're elliptical in shape is to basically catch the incoming light cone from the primary mirror. And these are offset. So these are not supposed to be centered over the primary mirror. They are, they, a typical Newtonian has to have an offset into the secondary mirror. That's why you can see that the post there is set offset. So we have people who call in or email in all the time asking, how do I adjust the offset of my secondary? You don't have to with our telescopes. It's already done permanently with the mounting stock on the back of the uh, secondary there. So that is our typical secondary mirror. Now you have to size the secondary mirror correctly in order to work with faster optical systems like our imaging Newtonians here. So um, we'll talk about that here in a second. So just as a reference here, I'm gonna disappear once again. Oop. And we're gonna make this go away. So on our light path, we have the light coming in from the night sky that is then reflected and focused using the parabolic primary mirror up to the secondary. The secondary is at an angle, so it catches that and then focuses that light up to the focuser um, or corrective optics or whatever you've got going up into the focus point there. So on imaging Newtonians, like what we're talking about today, they are faster optical systems, so they do require larger secondary mirrors. Now, sorry, I've got too many things going on. There we go. So um, most Newtonians, they're gonna, you're gonna match the secondary mirror size for the particular telescope focal length and the size. We'll talk about that here in a minute. Um, for most of our Dobsonians, they are oversized, um, but for the imaging Newtonians, because they're faster, the mirrors are much more oversized and they're also blacked out on the edge. This is not a imaging Newtonian secondary because it's not blacked out. Now, most Newtonians need, every Newtonian's gonna need a secondary mirror. Um, and the faster and the bigger that telescope is, the bigger the secondary mirror is gonna be. A lot like this secondary mirror. So this is a monster six inch diameter elliptical flat. Uh, elliptical. Um, this actually goes to my 28-inch f3.3 daub that's almost finished. So that's the. But it's no different um, on any Newtonian at that point. You're gonna need a elliptical flat to focus the light up to the secondary or the, the focuser there. So the bigger the telescope, the faster the telescope, the bigger the secondary is gonna be. Okay, so that's the optical design. Now let's actually get to learning a little bit about the Newtonians there, so. Now the Newtonian design, uh, many of us are probably familiar with, um, was developed by Isaac Newton and was first completed around 1668 for the first version of the Newtonian, which he presented. Um, it's a simple design, it's got two mirrors, Primary, secondary, up to the focuser. Very simplistic design, not a lot that can go wrong. Um, advantages of a Newtonian is you're getting a large aperture, big chunk of glass. Um, you can generally make them faster, so the F ratios are generally faster, and they're fairly affordable for their size. Now, I'm sure many are familiar with Dobsonians and you know, you can get an eight inch Dobsonian now for 400, 500 bucks, somewhere in there. 
And it's way easier to make a primary mirror than it is a lens. A mirror has generally one optical surface. It just has that front, just has the front reflective surface. That's all there is to a, a mirror most of the time. Unlike a refracting lens, a refractor, like here's a, a little lens I have right here, actually. I've got lenses all over the place. This is just a little 72 millimeter lens. This is a doublet lens. So there are two lenses that make up the objective, which means two lenses polished on both sides. That gives you a total of four polished optical surfaces. So it's a lot more expensive to make a refractor uh, and it's a lot harder to make a refractor as well. So a Newtonian of similar size is much easier to produce than a refractor of similar size. So that's why a six inch APO refractor is going to cost $7,000 and a Newtonian of the same spec costs $300. Very easy to produce those. So, you know. Now, uh, let's talk about the Quattro series in general real quick. So the Quattro series, like I said, standard Newtonians, um, come in, currently come in three sizes. Uh, has a parabolic primary, elliptical secondary, very standard Newtonian. Uh, three sizes, you have the 8-inch, 10-inch, and 12-inch. Now, what is nice about these is they're all F4. F4 is a very fast optical speed um, in comparison. And, of course, today is going to be the world-famous Kevin Calculator is back. And we are working on getting this up on the website. Let me shrink myself there so you guys can see everything. So F4 for astrophotography purposes is quite fast. Um, and the advantage of having these F4 optics means your exposure is shorter. So um, let me just jump into this real quick because I have a whole uh, slide about this. So. Let me just talk about the features first, and the optics are one of them. So the Quattro series features large parabolic primaries. We have 94% reflectivity coatings um, on the primary and the secondary, so it's reflecting 94% of the light that hits the mirror. And we do have a protective overcoat over the, those mirrors, which means they're made to last a long time, multiple cleanings, most coatings these days last somewhere between five to ten years depending on where you're at um, moisture how there's a lot of factors that can affect a coating but we we have an overcoat a quartz overcoat on our mirrors that means the reflective coatings will last quite a long time uh, before you even have to consider getting them recoated now quattro series thus the name quattro has f4 F ratios. All three sizes, 8, 10, 12, are all F4. So this is where our calculator is going to come in handy. So if we do the math real quick, let me pop this up. Let's just go off of a typical 10 inch, I'm sorry, let's go off of an 8 inch Schmidt Cassegrain. Typical 8 inch Schmidt Cassegrains, they're roughly F10 from whoever you want to buy them from. So we're uh, looking over here right now on this one. So I don't know if there's a way I can magnify this just to have one more about. We're going over here right here on the speed calculator is where we're at at the moment. So the slower F ratio we're going to compare to is a typical Schmidt-Cassegrain F10 system. And then we're going to compare that to an F4 optical system. When we do the math, that's 6.25 times faster than an F10 system. So that basically equates to, if you're doing a two minute exposure on an F4 optical system like the Quattro, to get the same amount of detail that you get in that two minute exposure at F10 would be a 12 and a half minute exposure. So that speed really makes up for a lot. Um, so why, why is that important? Why is the optical speed that interesting to us? Well, shorter exposures mean less taxing of amount, means you don't have to guide as hard. 
Um, you can get away with maybe having a little bit of a smaller mount. You're not as prone to vibrations or wind ruining your exposures. And you can get a lot more done in a shorter amount of time. So if you're going to be doing an hour's worth of data, we'll just say 60 minutes. So let me see if I can do this in my head real quick. This might mess up actually. But, um, let's say you do 60, we'll do one hour exposure on an F4 system. So that's 60, 60 minutes. Now, if you were to go back and do that on an F10 system, you'd basically be looking at, I believe that equates to about six and a quarter hours on the F10 system for the same amount of data that you can do on an F4 optic. And this is regardless of whatever the telescope is. This isn't even our Newtonians at this point. Anything that's faster is going to be, give you those shorter exposures, which means you have to guide less and worry less overall. So kind of nice to have. You get more done in one night. Now let's just compare F4 to some more popular F ratios like F7. So even at F7, like many of our refractors, like the Esprit 120, the Esprit 150, those are F7, you are three times faster than those optical systems. Um, let's speed it up a little bit more. F6.3, you are about two and a half times faster than that. So that F ratio means you can get more done in less time and you don't have to guide as long or worry as much about guiding. Um, when you have those faster optical systems. So speed is your friend. Um, you can cram more exposure time. You can cram more data in a shorter exposure time. So having the faster optical speed is really something to consider um, when doing imaging, especially if you're on limited time. Uh, if the weather isn't that great in your area and you only have so much time to get out and, and shoot, Maybe think of something, a uh, faster optical system, because um, you get more done in less time. Now, the Quattro series, we try to make sure they're pretty well uh, set up for hardware. And they all come with basic stuff. So the Focuser is a two inch dual speed linear rail Crayford. So on the bottom here, um, there's a linear bearing rail that sits under there and that's where the bearing presses up and moves the draw tube up and down so it's real solid and tries to keep the draw tube square that's dual speed it's 11 to 1 ratio so you get a real fine precise uh, capability for focusing which is really important when you're using fast optical systems uh, two things you need to uh, three things you want to consider when going faster number one focus is a lot more critical Number two, collimation is a lot more critical. And number three, if you're shooting narrow band filters, it's gonna start limiting the band pass or how narrow you can actually go before it starts to clip because the light cone gets so extreme um, at that point. Now at F4 to F3, you're okay. You can still use those really narrow three nanometer filters. Uh, if you go below F3, you're going to start having some issues with those three nanometer filters. So you might have to go broader. Um, but down to F3, most of those three nanometer filters are good to go. Uh, and the our focuser here uses the same axle as a lot of our other like the evo star doublets it uses the same central axle so the star arizona motor focuser will work um, i have a quattro right now that has a eaf from zwo on it that seems to work okay um, so a lot of those third-party motor focusers will work on the quattro series it's it's the same focuser across all three models so it's it's very easy to adapt them to many of today's modern day imaging hardware now we also give you mounting rings, a dovetail plate, and the size of the dovetail varies on which model we're talking about, as well as a 50 millimeter finder scope. So you're kind of equipped and ready to go regardless of which model you're working with. Um, we wanna we try to make sure with most of our telescopes that you are you're set to go 
All you need is a mount and your camera and poof, you're, you're good to go at that point. So at this point, we're gonna break down all three versions and we'll talk a little bit about each one individually. Now, I know there's a topic floating around in here or a question about why we don't do carbon fiber tubes anymore. Now the Quattro series right now is a metal tube. I believe it's steel. Um, I believe it is a steel tube. Um, the factory did use to make carbon fiber versions of the eight inch or the 200 millimeter um, and the 250 or the 10 inch model in carbon fiber. Uh, they stopped doing production of carbon fiber tubes several years ago. I don't really have a reason of why, but um, they weren't that much lighter than the steel tubes, but they were more expensive. So that probably has something to do with why we don't have carbon fiber tubes anymore. It, you know, it's, it's a price thing and, you know, we have to look at the numbers at the end of each year and figure what makes sense and if something's not selling as well it just doesn't make sense for a company to continue doing it that's just the realities of business at that point so everything now is a metal tube on all three quattro um telescopes so sorry uh, if you want a carbon fiber tube you could probably look on some third party sources that source carbon um and or find a used one on the used market. So, and carbon, carbon's expensive, and it, the waste for making carbon is also expensive. So there's a lot of things to consider when using a carbon fiber tube versus the steel tube. So that's why the carbon ones aren't around anymore. Again, if you want one, find one on the used market, or you know, there's some companies that offer carbon fiber tubes to transition your optics over to. I've seen people do it before. And no, wrapping your telescope tube in a carbon fiber wrap doesn't make it lighter weight. It just makes it look cool like carbon fiber. It's just a cosmetic. So let's start off with the smallest um, model in the series. This is the Quattro 200. The Quattro 200 is an 8-inch F4, 800-millimeter Newtonian, weighs about 21 pounds. And we, of course, include the mounting rings, V-style dovetail, and a 50 millimeter finder. And what's unique about the, the Quattro 200 and one other model in the series is it actually has internal knife edge baffles further down the tube. This helps with contrast and reduces stray light. You can see the secondary there, it's all blacked out, uh, which also helps with uh, contrast, unlike the uh, mirror I showed you guys earlier. That's from our Dobbs, it's just a, you know, unpainted back. It's not a real big deal because most of this hides behind the secondary, but when you're imaging, you want to try to eliminate as much reflection, as much light scatter as possible. So the Quattro Newtonians have that all put into place. So these are all knife edge baffles all the way down to the primary. And then of course the secondary is also blacked out on the edges and the back to help with contrast. Uh, the Quattros also have larger secondary spiders to support the weight of the larger secondary mirrors. These are faster optical systems, so they do need uh, larger secondaries to catch the light cone off of the faster primary optic. Now, and for example, the 8-inch, the Quattro 200, being an 8-inch telescope, if we're going to look at this as a visual telescope, um, if we're doing the math on there, and I will bring up our calculator again. So we're gonna go down here, our light grass comparison calculator right here. So that's an eight inch telescope. Let's compare that to a four inch telescope. You're at four times more light gathering power um, than a typical four inch refractor. So the focal length of the eight inch quattro is 800 millimeters. There's a lot of four inch refractors on the market that are about that focal length. Um, so with this Newtonian, because of its because of the speed giving you that 800 millimeter focal length, but you still have the eight inch aperture, you've got a lot more light, a lot brighter image um, to see visually through the telescope. Uh, yes, Ernie, the the 21 pounds, all of the listed weights um, include all the included hardware, so the finder, dovetail, and rings. That is the working weight of the tube as you get it. 
that you're going to put onto the mount. So 21 pounds, not including, you know, anything else you want to put on it, like a camera or something like that. But yeah, the 21 pounds. Um, these do come with a straight through 50 millimeter finder. Um, at the moment, we're, we don't have a right angle finder that's just off the shelf available. Um, many dealers do. We are looking at bringing those in as a accessory. Um, so keep an eye out for that. But you can easily switch out the finder scope on these to a right angle finder if you felt the need to do so. Now, the 8 inch, being that it's only 21 pounds, maybe 23, 24 pounds by the time you throw all your, your stuff on there, um, is a very versatile telescope uh, to use on many different mounts. Um, it's not very, it's not a very big telescope. It's rather stubby for its size. Uh, my buddy Alex, who's probably watching today, uh, I stole this picture from your Facebook. Um, so uh, it works on a large variety of mounts. So here's just some rattling right off the top. You know, our EQ6R, the older EQ6, which you see here, uh, Celestron C-Gem, Celestron CGX. Uh, the AVX, you could put one on there if you're doing like basic visual or maybe you're doing um, like live video for outreach or in your backyard, which these telescopes are really good for because of their optical speed. At a four, the cameras being so sensitive nowadays paired with that fast F ratio is a nice combo. Um, so there's the AVX is a good uh, affordable option. I meant to put our HEQ5 on this list too. I spaced out on that. Um, Los Monte G11, Los Monte GM811, pretty much any mount that's got about a 30 pound capacity or more would be a nice combo with the 8 inch uh, Quattro. So it's a fun little telescope to use. Uh, if you want to use it visually, you could pair it with an Alt-As mount and use that to visually use it. Uh, these are great visual telescopes as well. Nice wide field um, with that fast optics. So, um, Balancing the, the imaging Newtonians can be tricky, um, especially on the 8-inch because it's rather stubby. So uh, some people have put an extra dovetail up on top there to add a little bit more weight towards the back to help balance it out or wherever they need to do. Um, on the larger two, the 250 and the 300, the tubes get longer, so it's a little easier to balance those out. But that is a good uh, comment there that these are still large telescopes. You're talking about 8-inch, 10-inch, and 12-inch telescopes at this point. The mirrors get heavy. So while these are relatively affordable for their speed and their size, um, you do have to consider using larger mounts for them. So it, it is something to consider. Uh, here's just a, a demo uh, picture. This is with a Quattro 200 with the new Star Arizona Nexus F3 corrector, um, which they're working on. We'll talk about that here in a minute. But what's cool about the Quattro 200 in particular, the Quattro 200 costs, you know, 700 bucks-ish, somewhere in there. I don't have the price list in front of me at the moment. Um, so you're getting an 8-inch telescope that's f4, real fast, 800 millimeter, and at 800 millimeter with most cameras nowadays, that's a nice flexible focal length. It's good for galaxies, especially right now in the spring, you're getting that image scale that you want. Um, so it's good for galaxies. It's still a decent wide field if you've got like a larger sensor to put on it. But a similar size focal length refractor, you're probably looking somewhere between a, um, you know, an 80 to 120 millimeter refractor, probably an APO. So at that point, you know, it's, you can get an 80 millimeter APO refractor nowadays for like eight, $900, which isn't bad, but then it's a three inch telescope. So there's trade-offs there. So what's kind of unique about the Quattro's as you're getting an eight inch telescope. So visually it's a much more substantial telescope. You can see a lot dimmer objects with an eight inch telescope. And it's also about, you know, almost half the price, even less for some of the larger refractors of the same F ratio. So there is an advantage to the Newtonian design, not only the speed, but the affordability because you're getting bigger glass for less money. And you're also getting that speed. 
So let's talk about the middle child, uh, the Quattro 250. Uh, the Quattro 250 is a serious telescope. This is a 10 inch F4, so 250 millimeter. It's a thousand millimeters even. It weighs 34 pounds with all of its goodies installed on it. And, and it comes with the mounting rings, V-style finder and the 50 millimeter, or V-style dovetail and the 50 millimeter finder. Uh, this one is also knife edge baffled um, down the tube and it has the blacked out secondary and it has a larger thicker spider to help support the bigger mirror in here but what's nice about this is now you're at a thousand millimeters a thousand millimeters is really good when you're shooting those small targets um like the galaxies this time of year it's it's excellent for having that image scale that you're gonna want now most of the thousand millimeter optics that are on the market are either a refractor or you have a schmidt cassegrain or one of those richie cretions and either you've got a reducer on your schmidt cassegrain to bring it down so you're probably going to be shooting somewhere between f6 f7 to f8 ballpark um, for that at a thousand millimeters so Let's just compare this real quick to our Esprit 150, for example. Um, it's F7 natively, so that's about 1,050 millimeter. Um, compare that to a 10-inch Quattro, and a Esprit 150 costs nearly $7,000. A Quattro 250 costs under a grand. You're three times faster photographically with the 10-inch. The and then visually speaking, let's go down here. So six inch telescope versus a 10 inch telescope. Visually, you're about 2.7 um, times more light than a six inch. So substantially brighter uh, images visually um, with a 10 inch telescope. That's just straight physics on aperture. So um, it's kind of a cool system to think about, but it is you know a larger telescope. So, you're going to have to start considering the mount. Even compared to the 8-inch Quattro, you're talking 56% more light because of the 10-inch primary mirror. So that's quite a hunk of scope at this point. Now, the 10-inch still works on the EQ6R and similar mounts. Um, anything with a 44-pound-ish payload capacity or bigger works really well. Uh, EQ6, of course, or EQ8R would throw one of these around with no problem. CGM, CGX, CGXL, G811, or even the G11 would be nice combos or anything similar to that. The 10-inch works really well on. Um, it's a big telescope, but it's fast. So, and it's, it allows you to really dig into the nighttime sky because you have that thousand millimeter uh f ratio to go off of or focal length to go off of so you're getting the image scale but you're still getting the speed um so it's a really nice combo this is generally how i recommend balancing the quattros as well um either put the uh it's usually going to be on its side you generally want the focuser down towards the ground or up if if you want to you can go up as well depends on how you want to do it uh steve here at star arizona this is his setup He's using our EvoGuide 50, um, which works well. Generally with Newtonians, the one, one of the flaws of a Newtonian is you can get a lot of flexure in your imaging system. It's a large tube. There's a lot of weight, and there's a lot of weight extended past the center of gravity from the mount. So when that mount's moving across the sky, that's bending and flexing in certain ways. And flexure can provide issues when you're auto guiding it can make your auto guider work harder so it's one thing you want to think of now to reduce the flexure when you're guiding you can use like an off-axis guider oag for short um, in the optical path if it fits in the back focus of the corrector um, or you can use a piggyback guider but generally with newtonians uh, Many find the OAG uh, route to be probably the better route if you can do it. Depends on your camera system. Some cameras have really thin OAGs, um, others don't. So just take a look at your system at that point. But a piggyback guider will work as well. So it's a 
that's a nice combo for the, the 10 inch quattro there um, a decent size scope it's not super heavy so just be aware that when you do step up to the 10 inch you're you're gonna make have to make sure that the mount you're putting it on is ready to support it now the flagship of the series is the quattro 300 the quattro 300 is a 12 inch 1200 millimeter f4 newtonian uh this is a really well built telescope it weighs 57 pounds it's freaking heavy um everything about it's big the mirror is like an inch and a half thick um so that adds to the weight the cell is overbuilt the spider is thick and to support that big it's like a 102 minor axis secondary mirror it's a big secondary um so everything about this is really built to handle those fast optics to make it rigid and even the rings on this are big everything about the 12 inch is big so if you're looking at a quattro 300 please be aware that it is a large telescope and it is overbuilt for its size so it'll handle and reduce the amount of flexure that you have to worry about and maintain collimation that's a huge thing with the imaging newtonians across any manufacturer as they need to make sure that the cells are built strong enough to where you don't lose collimation because you're going to notice the collimation shift at f4 there's not a lot of wiggle room to be off at that point now we do include the mounting rings we have a much larger los Mondi or d style dovetail it does come with the 50 millimeter finder on the quattro 300 uh, this one has 44% more light than the 10 inch model does. It's a 1200 millimeter focal length. So if you're into like galaxies or small targets and you have one of those smaller chips, it's way, way well matched for something like this. Um, you know, there, there are these telescopes out here that have the longer focal length and but what kind of sucks about what's going on right now in the telescope world is you see some of these telescopes that are natively like f8 so we'll just take like the richies or the schmidt cassegrains great telescopes but they're natively they're fairly long focal length systems cameras nowadays are doing the inverse the pixel sizes are getting smaller and smaller which isn't really intuitive to use on these longer focal length optics so it, it's just you're gonna have soft images because the pixel size is not matching up correctly to your telescope at that point now with the Newtonians you're starting to get that longer focal length it's not crazy long focal length it's it's about a moderate focal length but you can better match some of these small pixeled cameras to a thousand mil an 800 to 1200 millimeter focal length than you can do that to a, a longer focal length so take a small sensor pair it with a 1200 millimeter focal length telescope and you know you're good to go so you know let me just bring up the calculator this is a different calculator um, if you've never used this this is astronomy tools astronomy.tools this is a great website to go to to check your field of view or calculate you know your image scale or whatever so we're going to do image scale um, we already know this is 1200 millimeters well this 305 is 12 inch doesn't really matter we'll just pick a really popular camera that's out let's pick the ZWO294. That's a really popular sensor out there. So, and we'll just pick a target, for example. Um, ba, 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 M51. That's up right now. That looks really good. We'll pick that guy. So, you can see right there that it, the image scale isn't too bad. And that's a decent size sensor. That's like a four third sensor. So, it's not too bad. Uh, pixel size on this camera is 4.63 which is kind of in the middle for most cameras nowadays some of them are, are getting a bit smaller but at native focal at native one by one bin you are at 0.79 arc seconds per pixel which is a little little bit much 
uh, for most people's backyards. Um, but you can bend that camera, giving you the same field of view, but now you're at 1.6 arc seconds per pixel. That's perfect for a backyard imaging system. Most backyards are probably gonna be, have a resolution of somewhere between, you know, 1.5 and 2-ish. Um, some might be able to get down to one depending on your scene conditions, but this, uh, doing that 1200 millimeter focal length matches really well with some of these modern cameras. Uh, let's go uh, 533, that's an even smaller sensor. So on, we'll actually do that real quick. So there's the 533, ZWO 533 uh, right there. It, it actually matches that Galaxy M51 really well. You've got some room um, around the Galaxy, but it still frames it really well. You're at 0.6 arc seconds per pixel at one by one. That's gonna be a little bit too much for most people's seeing conditions, but if you bin it, you're at 1.3, which is, on a good night, you've probably got a, um, got imaging uh, scene conditions to support that resolution on average. You could probably get that. But not only are you shooting at two by two, so it's sensitive, you're shooting at 1.3 arc seconds per pixel, so it's gonna be sharp. You also have a big freaking 12 inch mirror backing you up, so you have the resolving power to dig in there. Um, if you see an image uh, between a six inch refractor and something like a 12 inch Newtonian, that large mirror is gonna allow you to resolve finer details in the galaxy. So there's these really elegant tendrils and all kinds of dust lanes and filaments that you can see in objects that just straight physical aperture really brings that out. So um, let me just show you guys. So the one thing you're gonna wanna, I wanna show you a picture that's coming up here, but the one thing you wanna think about with the 12 inch is it needs a big mount, period. Um, if you have an EQ6R, it's not gonna work. I would be really concerned if you put one on an EQ6R. Uh, if you break it, that is not a warranty issue because you're way above the payload limit. Um, this is a 12 inch Quattro Paramount MX. That is three 20 pound counterweights on the back, uh, on the bar there. Yes, I do understand that the Unicorn does help um, with this quite a bit, but it is a serious telescope. So if you're looking at a 12 inch, you're looking at like EQ8R, CGXL like minimum, G11T, um, the Astrophysics 1100 software bisque, Paramount MX Plus, you really want something that's got a 75 pound payload limit or bigger. Seriously, you really need to go big on the Quattro. So it doesn't cost a lot. I think the Quattro 12 is like under 1500 bucks, like 14, 13, somewhere in there. Uh, you can go on our website to check the current pricing of it. Um, so you're not spending a lot for a 12 inch F4, but it's a big telescope. So where you save the money on the tube, you're gonna have to invest it in the mount, but it's a serious telescope. But here's a picture of the uh, Horsehead Nebula with that. And you can just see the details that are inside the horse head there and the faint little, I call them brush strokes um, that you can see up here in IC5, um, the IC Nebula right over here, 434, that's the number. But it just the amount of filaments, the little faint detail that you can see in these nebulas because of the aperture is uh, really, really nice. So um, it is a serious telescope when you're talking about these imaging Newtonians because you're getting serious aperture to back you up. And not only do you have the aperture in comparison to a refractor, you have the F ratio too. So you're able to do this in like half the time of some of the refractors that are on the market nowadays. Now you do get diffraction spikes. I know we could get in an argument all day long about who likes diffraction spikes, who doesn't like diffraction spikes. I think they kind of look neat. Um, I like diffraction spikes. Um, if you don't like diffraction spikes, then I guess Newtonians aren't for you or you need to make a custom one with a curved spider or something fancy like that. But um, you do get diffraction spikes with the Newtonians. I think they add some uh, a little bit more dramatic look to an image, but that's just me. But it is a, they are serious telescopes at that point. 
Um, you're getting a lot of resolution with these t with this type of telescope. So that's really it for the three telescopes in the series at the moment. 8, 10, 12 all work really well uh, for a variety of cameras. Um, many of the popular cameras match really well with the um, focal lengths of these uh, telescopes. Let me bring this calculator back up. Uh, we'll stick with the 533. Let's go with something a little bit um, easier. We're going to do the 8-inch. See, the 8-inch at 1x1 one one bin, you're at 0.97 arc seconds per pixel. Perfect for a backyard. An 8-inch with a 533, perfect match. Um, it might be a little, the seeing might not quite back it up, but you're going to have a nice sharp images um, with that combo. Um, I know we've only got 15 minutes left. I'm going to try to go through the recommended accessories really quick because there are things you need to consider um, when using these. Uh, now, with any fast Newtonian, they have coma. If you're not sure what coma is, coma makes the stars at the edge of the field look like little comets, like they're flared out. It just happens with parabolic mirrors. Um, the way to get around that, make a hyperbolic mirror. Hyperbolic mirrors, like in an RC telescope, are much harder to produce, much harder to collimate. Um, if you want something exotic, that's an imaging Newtonian with a hyperbolic mirror, the Takahashi Epsilon series. I think they make the 130, the 160, and the, the famous 180, uh, which is an f2.8 system. Those are great, fantastic telescopes, um, but they are a lot more expensive because they have that hyperbolic mirror on them. They also say Takahashi, so they're a lot more expensive. So with most Newtonian telescopes, you are going to need a corrector. Uh, we do make a matched corrector for this. This is our F4 coma, ED coma corrector. Got a typo in there, sorry about that. Um, it's a four element. One of them is an ED to correct any color aberrations that might happen going through the corrector. 55 millimeter back focus. Uh, we do use 48 millimeter threads, so you can use uh, big threads over there. Uh, it has a 20 millimeter, I'm sorry, 28 millimeter illuminated, illuminated field, which means APS-C crop sensors work really well. You could probably stick a full frame on here, but you might be pushing it on the edges a little bit there. Now, one thing to think about with coma correctors, most of the time they have a little bit of a magnification factor. Ours doesn't. So if you're imaging, get the you're going to want to look at our matched coma corrector because it, it keeps the system natively at F4. It won't add any little bit of magnification or slow the system a little bit. Not a big deal, but just something to think about. Um, and again, these are best suited for crop sensors. And they are also threaded at the end of the barrel for 2-inch filters. But you could get like a filter slide or a filter wheel or whatever, depending on how much room you've got to work with. Um, and put that on the back end here and flip your filters that way. But there is a filter thread at the front. If you're using like a DSLR, um, you could put like your light pollution filter in front of the corrector. It would work just fine. Uh, that's an optional accessory um, you can get when looking at one of these. Now, these are Newtonian, so collimation is going to be a thing. And we really like using laser collimators. Um, we have both the Hotec 2-inch crosshair laser. I really think it's worth getting the crosshair version if you're looking at Hotec. If you're off any little bit, it's a lot easier to see the crosshair of the laser. Um, it's not that much more money if you're looking at one, and they're really good collimators. So we have the crosshair 2-inch um, from Hotec. That's excellent. Um, and then we also have the late, unfortunately, late Howie Gladder laser collimator right here. Um, these are fantastic lasers. Uh, they are quite expensive um, in comparison to some of the other ones. Uh, this is the green uh, laser. The green ones are really nice if you want to collimate during the day. Um, if you do get one of these, uh, they're made by Starlight Instruments, the same uh, people who make the Feather Touch Focuser now. They're still making it the way Howie did. Um, fantastic collimators. Uh, make sure you get the Blug. The blug lets you have the target there. It makes it really easy to collimate pretty much any Newtonian with something like this. Uh, you can go to Starlight Instruments and check out that. But those are the two collimators that we use. Um, they have really good quality, so you know that the lasers are actually aligned. Some of the cheaper ones you find online and some other places, 
they're they can be good but sometimes they can be hit and miss or out of collimation on their own which means your telescope's going to be screwed up the minute you put the collimator in so do invest in a good collimator we really like Hotec or the Gladder lasers. Either one of those work. Just kind of depends on your budget. Uh, the secondary mirrors are collimated by hex wrenches. They are metric. Yes, they're metric. It's okay. Go to Home Depot, get a metric set. The rest of the world is metric. It's not a big deal. Um, so yes, they're metric. And then the back uses big collimation thumb screws, so it's really easy to collimate these even though they're F4. But a good collimator, and about five minutes of your time, especially when it's a new telescope, you'll be up and running in no time with a decent collimator. And they generally come really, they are collimated before they ship, uh, except the 12 inch, because the 12 inch, the primary ships separately for safety issues. It's a big mirror. Um, so the 12 inch, you have to install the primary. It's not a big deal. But collimating these once you get them isn't the end of the world. So, <clears throat> um, Real quick, I know there's some questions there. I'm going to get to those real quick. Um, so just hold on there. Um, alternate correctors. Um, if you don't want to use our coma corrector or maybe you want to do visual work with it, um, there's several coma correctors on the market. The Botter coma corrector uh, I know works well. I haven't used it. Explore Scientific makes one too. I haven't used that one either, so I don't like saying anything if I haven't tried it. I'm sure they work well. Um, we use the Teleview Paracore 2. Uh, these go down to like F3 um, optical systems. So uh, we have a couple of these. Uh, this one's mine. Um, it works really well visually for these. Excellent. Um, option especially if you want to do visual or imaging um, it does both unlike ours which is only for imaging sorry um, but if you want one you can get the paracord 2 from pretty much any telescope dealer they work really nicely on the quattros it does have a 1.15x magnification factor which isn't a big deal it's going to eliminate the coma all across the field but it makes the quattro run at f4.6 so if you are doing it photographically with a paracord 2 just make sure you're now running at 4.6 and not f4 it's not the end of the world but it's just something to consider but it's a fantastic coma corrector and probably the one of the best for visual work the new kit on the block um, the last one i've got to talk to you guys about is the starizona nexus uh 0.75x reducer coma corrector uh, currently, it's only for imaging. Um, this is a reducing coma corrector. It's rather unique. Um, it's pretty sweet. I've got one of the prototypes right here. Um, if you want to talk to Star Arizona about it, you can give them a call. I don't think these are too far out from being released. Um, these are designed for the Quattro F4 Newtonians. Um, this drops it from F4 to F3. That's 77% faster. So not only was it F4 was fast, but now you can pop this sucker in there and you can make it even faster. So if you're into outreach imaging or you're doing uh, electronic assisted imaging, live video, this really speeds it up even further. So something to consider. Um, it's an option. Works on a lot of different other F4 Newtonians as well. So uh, give Star Arizona a call. And they can talk to you about that. But those are some of the recommended correctors um that i've used and worked with them and they work really really nicely so if you have any questions you can uh email the um manufacturers about that um so that's pretty much it for today i hope you really enjoyed it if you like it go ahead and subscribe um we really appreciate it uh, i know there's some questions here i'm going to get to those in a second um if you have any questions about the quattros go ahead and email us at support uh, or visit our website at skywatcherusa.com um, if you want swag to match your Quattro stuff, we do have Quattro shirts and hoodies. You can go onto our skywatcher.threadless.com and get your matching Quattro shirt to go with your equipment or whatever else you want to do. So that's right there. If you want to go check that out, we definitely appreciate it. Skywatcher.threadless.com if you want some swag. Okay, so there's some questions here. Um, oh, real quick before I get to those just for next week. Next week, um, the Milky Way is coming up. Um, it's almost Milky Way season, so we're going to talk about what you should consider 
for getting ready for Milky Way season. Um, so uh, that's coming up. So we'll be talking about trackers and cameras and filters and just some things that, you know, maybe think about before you run out to a nice dark sky and take your Milky Way picture. So that is next week's episode. Um, so we'll definitely see you there. So questions. Um, are there any focal reducers that are useful for these telescopes? Uh, the only one is the, uh, I'm going to make myself a little bit bigger now so you guys can enjoy my beautiful face. Um, the only corrector or reducer that I'm aware of, uh, I know there's some other ones that are available in Europe and stuff like that. This is the only one I'm aware of here and have tested, um, is the Starzona Nexus Coma Corrector Reducer, 0.75 reducer. Um, these will be available soon through Starzona. Uh, you can give them a call and talk to them about it and see what the availability and price is going to be, but it's not too big, not too heavy. Um, 48 millimeter threads this will handle a crop sensor so if you have like a 2600 zwo put this on there you've got an f3 system holy crap it's gonna be awesome so that is the only one i'm aware of for a reducer newtonians don't really do well with reducers for visual work so you're kind of just stuck at f4 if you're doing visual sorry um but these are great wide field telescopes um if you're looking for something to just pan the nighttime sky with, uh, just make sure you've got a mount for it. Now the next question here, so will the CWO match up with the 10 inch uh, Quattro? Yeah, let's take a look at that actually. Um, let me pull that, I don't know why that went away. Let me pull up astronomy tools real quick for you guys. There we go, just take a sweet old time. So let's do the math. The Quattro 10 is a thousand millimeters. It's 254 millimeters in aperture. We need to be in imaging mode. And you want to know about the 533. Uh, there it is. And we'll just pick a target. We're doing M57. Oh no, we're doing M51. I'm sorry. There it is. Um, add to view. So there would be your field of view at, with the uh, 533. I'm sorry, I'm being informed, I'm in the way. There you go. So this is the 533 camera on the Quattro 250. Um, the, the scale is nice actually. If you're into galaxies and stuff like that, this would be a nice imaging combo. Um, you're at 0.77 arc seconds per pixel. So at one by one bin, you're probably going to be a little soft you could make it work but if you bin it two by two you're at 1.5 that's perfect for a backyard imaging uh site so just run it two by two bin um 1.5 arc seconds that's awesome you should have really nice sharp images um with a 533 and a 10 inch quattro um bin two by two and if the seeing that night looks good then you always have the ability to drop to one one by one again and go to 0.77. Or if you're going to a really nice site that you know has good seeing, and I don't mean dark, I mean stable seeing, uh, you have the ability to pump that up to a really high resolution imaging system. But it frames up really well. Um, let me just show you some other, like I'll just show you how Orion frames up. Orion, if you're shooting wide targets, um, that's not gonna be a, huge field of view to work with um, you'd be doing really high resolution so if you're looking for a high resolution imaging combo that 533 zeta uh 533 or similar uh sensor um and the quattro 250 that's quite a combo quite actually um so definitely want to think of um maybe you've got a newer 2600 there's a 2600 right there at f4 you have a really nice view of orion at that point and at bin two by two you're at that 1.5 arc seconds per pixel so that that'd be a super setup right there or you could combine it with the starizona f3 corrector which brings you to 800. look at that that's awesome um, you're at 1.9 arc seconds per pixel at f3 with the Starzona Nexus. 
Um, but you don't have to bin at that point. You're at 0.97 arc seconds per pixel. Might be a little soft on most nights. Little bit. Probably sharpen it up a little bit. But yeah, that'll uh, that'll be an, an awesome combo. So yeah, if you got most of the popular sensors that are out today, um, the Quattros are going to work really well because they're in that middle range focal length, 800 to 1200. Super forgiving. Um, they will match really well with most of the modern day sensors. So you're not, it's most of the time it's not going to be super soft in comparison to using some of the longer focal length, uh, stuff at this point. So, but that is uh, pretty much it for today. I hope you guys had a great Friday. Um, it was fun having you here. Uh, we'll definitely see you next week for our, our Milky Way, uh, season preparing for that. Um, I know there's some questions there about stock and when things are going to be back in stock. Just email us at support at skywatcherusa.com. Tell us what you're looking for and we'll be able to give you arrival times, rough arrival times for that given product. So thank you very much for spending your Friday morning with us. We'll see you guys next week for preparing for the Milky Way. Have a safe weekend and uh, take care and clear skies, everyone.